This is your gateway to the latest trends in the Gulf, bringing you exclusive insights and thought-provoking discussions. Welcome to AB Majlis, an Arabian business podcast. You can find our weekly episodes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for more exclusive content, subscribe to us on arabianbusiness.com. Welcome back to another episode of AB Majlis, an Arabian business podcast. I'm Tala Michelle Issa, your host for today and senior reporter at Arabian Business. Today, we'll be talking about the unintended consequences of working from home. Although its appeal can be quite enticing to those who got a taste of it during the pandemic in 2020, it carries significant long-term consequences affecting both our personal and professional lives. In the studio with me today is Justin Kent, a leadership coach and recruitment expert. He's also a successful entrepreneur and partner at Hawksby, where he coaches executives from around the world on career and business growth. He holds a degree in behavioral change, so I'm sure he will have a lot to say about the impact of working from home. Thank you for joining us today, Justin. Welcome to AB Majlis. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. So I was really interested in getting into this topic because personally for me, I've seen a massive difference between how much my professional career has changed between when I worked from home and when I shifted to, you know, fully working from the office. I feel like this is an interesting one because it kind of feels like a battle between comfort versus growth. Do you agree with that? Well, I think remote working is here to stay. So before the pandemic up to 2019, 5% of the workforce worked remotely or from home on that hybrid. Now it's far greater. And I think the latest study was this eight KPMG did a study. 89% of companies in EMEA have or are implementing a remote working solution. It's in demand from staff. So it's here to stay. It's how we balance it. It brings negatives. It brings positives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely agree. But from my own experience, I noticed that working from home does bring with it you know, things like social isolation, the potential to be recognized, that visibility is just not there, whether it's within your own industry or at work. What do you think about that? Is that something you've seen with your, through your work? Yeah, I have. And it sort of, it affects in many ways. So if I can be a bit scientific for a second. So one of the (laughs) things I studied was self-determination theory, which is intrinsic motivation. It used to be that motivation was you reinforce behavior by rewarding it. There's a study from 1997, self-determination theory, and it shows that three things are required by humans to really motivate them intrinsically. So that's autonomy, competence, and relatedness. Mm -hmm. So the autonomy is where you sort of have some control over your life, and that can be the remote working. So you're not told you have to be in nine to five every day, nine to six, nine to seven, and you feel a bit like a slave to your desk. So Remote working delivers that autonomy. Then you have the the competence, and that is being able to do your job well, and that's remotely or in work, that's less relatable here. And the last element is interesting because it sort of contradicts the autonomy bit, and it's called relatedness. It's connectivity. We need other humans. We are herd animals. We need to be social. So it's a balance. So you could actually say on the surface, the hybrid model serves that quite well. And in the middle part, you have that competence. Are you good at what you do? We all want to be good at what we do. We're nervous. Mm -hmm. The first time we do a podcast, we're nervous. (laughs) Once we do them, you become far more comfortable, competent, you know, the tricks and the shortcuts, et cetera, and you come across more naturally. So does that competence come with remote working 
And that, I would argue, is the area we need to look at and be conscious of. So to answer your question directly, is there isolation? 100%. And there are a couple of studies saying that anxiety and depression can be more prevalent in those that work remotely as opposed to those in work all the time. However, it's still in work all the time. It's just Mm -hmm. an extension thereof. So it's a case of being seen and heard. Yeah. What you miss in that isolation or what you have in that isolation is a slight FOMO. So the whole fear of missing out, what are they doing in the office? What's going on? What's happening? (laughs) So it's getting that balance right. And I think particularly for juniors, they need to be in, but I also get that juniors might live far away. So here, for example, my last client, some of the juniors worked in Sharjah and actually the commute was two hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they got two hours at their desk. So they can get an awful lot done. Flip side of that is they get too much done and they have a never ending work day. So it's about balance. It is definitely. I mean, a lot of what you said kind of brought two things to mind. Number one is discipline. And the second one is social anxiety. So I'll start with social anxiety since we just spoke about depression. During the pandemic, a lot of people were locked down, of course, across the world, some for three months, some for six So as soon as the lockdowns were lifted, I feel like once people started to go out again, they were more anxious and they kind of not forgot how to socialize, but were more self-aware, but not in a good way. I feel like maybe the hybrid model can bring up social anxiety for some professions that do require you to deal with people, especially people from outside your team. Yeah, agreed. So there is that social anxiety that comes in it's like going on holiday for two weeks and if Mm -hmm. you manage to have a good holiday and you really switch off coming back into the office on a monday morning you get a slight sort of nervousness because you've been away what have i missed have they been talking about me have i made any mistakes so you do get that anxiety there it's replicated in pure remote working Mm -hmm. some people love it some people want to be in bali on their computer and working and some jobs can accommodate that. I find that I would recommend to most of my clients is it is pure hybrid. So it's not pure remote and you get a really good balance. Friday being the perfect day to take off because the heavy lifting of any work is done from Monday, 10 o'clock until close of play on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Friday personally is my desk day. So you sit down and you just get on with all the admin and bits and pieces that you need to do. And that's kind of a cultural thing. So it's in and people expect it. So it's not an issue. It's then saying, and most companies have this three, two day model, three days on, two days out. Where is that second day? Mm -hmm. And that's the key. So if it's just Friday, social anxiety is lessened because you're going into the weekend. You know that everybody else is off too. They're at the end of the phone, of course. So you're not missing out on anything. If the second day is floating, it can cause chaos. Personally, and this is very personally, I think four days on, one day off is the greatest model. Maybe you could take an afternoon. So you do the morning commute, you come in earlier, and then you go home earlier and you could log on if you need to when you get home. And bear in mind, it's just worth saying that it's only 30% of jobs that are able to work remotely. 37%, sorry. Oh, okay. The rest have to be on site. So driving a car, in a cafe, in a restaurant, etc. You think of all those jobs, they have no choice. Mm-hmm. So it's people who are behind a PC that can effectively work remotely. So on that second day, do you make it every Wednesday? But that might not fit in with client flows. So it's it's a really hard one to judge, but I don't think the three-day, two-day model will lead to too much social anxiety mm-hmm. if a routine can be established. I see. 
when it comes to discipline, I feel like working from home, you kind of need to be kind of a self-starter and also quite self-disciplined because, you know, we saw all those memes on the internet of people like making fun of working from home, taking their nap, making their coffee, uh, I don't know, watching Netflix. And these things I think can be quite damaging for a business. As a business owner yourself, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, they're very <laughs> funny. You know, you're in your pajamas and you just jump out of bed, right? <laughs> exactly. I think ultimately that's down to the employee and you can't become a disciplinarian as, as an employer. I would suggest if somebody's like that, maybe they're not motivated to be at work. The easiest way to get around it is to have open conversations. So if an employee is a late starter, they have to say, right, I am a late starter. They have the conversation up front. I will be there at nine. Call me at 8.30 by all means. You just have an open conversation. So you identify where it might go wrong for you and where it might go right for you. When you are at home, get in a routine because it can be quite stressful because Mm -hmm. the house could be in disarray. Kids could be around. You have to be disciplined to say, I am at work. I can't just wash up. I can't just put the washing machine on or hang the washing out. I am at work. So I will do it in my lunch break. Equally, be disciplined enough to have a lunch break. So get in a routine. Again, as humans, we all need routine. So Mm -hmm. get in your routine and you'll be okay. And make sure you finish at five, six, whatever time your office hours, having completed your work, but don't just go on forever and ever because you'll have an endless working day. Yeah, because then it kind of blurs the lines between your time off and when you're working. And I feel like that was also a problem during the pandemic, especially the, the, the peak of the pandemic when everyone was locked down. It was very hard to differentiate between, okay, I'm working or I'm, I'm maybe finishing up a few extra things and just staying at your laptop and then suddenly looking at the time and it's 9 p.m. Yeah, you know? exactly. Whereas in an office, you have to get home. Mm-hmm. So you have to just say, right, I would finish this in the office. You prep for your next day, do your to-do list, whatever it is you do, and you stop. And mm-hmm. you have to have the discipline to stop it. And say to people on your teams or however you message each other, I'm off, I'm finished for the day, and that should be absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. And that comes from the leaders as well. So you mentioned the pressure on the leaders. And I know a lot of coaching is about leadership. Not everybody wants to be a leader, and that's a key thing for coaching. It's coaching the people that don't want to be leaders. But a leader... Their job is to empower people, is to inspire people, is to create a high productivity, uh, profitability, create and drive innovation. So it's a huge amount of pressure. So how do they split their days? Because when they're in the office and you can see it, they inspire people. People feel more comfortable and comforted because the boss is there. Mm -hmm. So they can ask a question. And this is part of the learning. You can just grab somebody as they go down for a coffee or to buy a sandwich. Can I just grab you as you walk down and ask three or four questions? You get the answers and you go off and you go back to your desk. The leader is under real pressure to always be present and always to be available. So how do they do their split day? And -hmm. again, I recommend 4-1, but I do realize that a leader also needs their quiet time to actually get stuff done without being interrupted. So maybe an afternoon off, a morning off, maybe two afternoons. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's got to work for them and it's got to work for their business. But there's real pressure on leadership. Also, they have to design their workflows along with the managers to make sure that remote working doesn't let anything slip. Mm Because if you're in the office, you can quickly shout an idea across and say, what about this? Have we done this? Have we done that? Yeah. If you're remote, are you going to make a call just to do all of that? It's more time consuming. So the work stream and and project management has to be absolutely concise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you think it maybe works better for smaller teams working remotely? Good question. Because communication might be easier, I think. Because if you're in a small team, I guess you're more comfortable with the people you work with. If you have that one question, instead of being like, okay, I'll leave that for our catch-up meeting later on, you're like, okay, can I just send you a quick message or call them? 
it's so much easier, isn't it? It is easier in small teams. I think big teams, you do get lost a bit. There's also a bit of psychological safety in all of this. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether you've come across that, but they show that high-performing teams, one of the key ingredients for them is psychological safety, where everybody feels they can contribute and what they say isn't stupid. Because juniors might say, is my question stupid? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. No question is stupid, really, because they'll get a quick answer. And all juniors are looking for from leaders is clarity of communications. Mm -hmm. Communications, just as an aside, for a successful career, your ability to communicate is the key ingredient for success, interestingly, if you can, and that means listening as well as talking, Mm -hmm. giving people context and giving them clarity. So if you can communicate clearly, you can manage that workflow better. If you are bad communicators and the junior is scared of asking the senior a question because they think it's stupid, but Mm -hmm. actually it affects their work, Yeah. where does that question go? Are they going to ask that small question over a phone? Mm-hmm. Probably not. Yeah. So they'll not. then just make an assumption and then they'll carry on. That's definitely true. I do know that from my own experience as a junior. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but speaking of juniors, I wanted to get back to our initial topic about the unintended consequences of working from home. So for juniors really looking to make it or to get that visibility or that recognition within their industry and within the company, Can working from home actually affect them? And for those who are in companies that are fully remote, what advice would you give the junior professionals who are very ambitious and can't seem to reach what they want? My candid and personal advice was try not to work for a company that's fully remote. Okay, interesting. Uh, Why not? (laughs) Controversial, but because part of it is the social element. You meet your friends there. Mm -hmm. You meet your possibly your future partner there. You meet mentors there. And there's a lot of osmosis learning that comes in when you're with people. The way they talk, I remember my first boss, the way he talked on the phone, I then mimicked as I grew up because I really thought, I mean, he's a great guy and he did it very well. So you just learn it. There's no questions asked. You're just watching and listening. So it's really important for juniors If they're fully remote, it's quite tough. So my great friend, he's in the UK. His son joined a fully remote, massive tech firm, just did sales. And he was worked in his bedroom. This is the son with his mum and dad downstairs pottering about doing their own business. And he lasted 18 months. And he said, we went out and caught up. And he just said, I just have nobody to talk to all day. Mm -hmm. So there's a real serious problem on fully remote. It's a tough gig. Some people can do it. I would suggest probably more mature people who are more settled in their lives. I think for young people, find people. People are fun. The lockdown was interesting as well because young people were caught in flats, quite small flats, didn't have space to get out, to talk, to move, to socialize. And they really struggled during lockdown. And it just shows that young people like to go for a coffee with their peers during and after work, before work. It's a real social element. So Mm. go hybrid would be my advice. Yeah, that's interesting. So as a recruitment expert and an expert also in behavioral coaching, how important would you say are the junior years of a person's career in terms of where that's going to get them later on? How important is that phase? Absolutely crucial. Mm -hmm. I think juniors do sort of rush slightly. They have more time than they realize. But what you learn from working is what you like and don't like what you're good at and what you're not good at. And usually we like what we're good at and we're good at what we like. So if you go into the sales area and you suddenly realize this maybe is not for you, you quite enjoy planning or strategy, or you may say, I'm really interested in the numbers. So you could become, go on and train to be an accountant, Mm -hmm. is that 
if you don't have that experience, you don't know. So you start to drift. So it's really important that they're in, they're listening to people, and they're seeing people as old as their parents in a workplace, how they're working, how they interact with them. Because there's a great social manners and etiquette side as well. If you're 25 and you're dealing with a 55-year-old, that's a very different conversation to your peers. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you do that? How do you address them? How do you react? How do you have humor with them? It's, it's massive learning curves, and we're always learning no matter what age we are. So it's very important that juniors work in a career they think they're interested in from university, they work in an office and learn from people, they take that experience and then they digest, talk through it with somebody, either professionally or personally saying, I like this, I don't like this, Mm -hmm. connects with their inner strengths, values, and then they go off and find those in maybe a different career or different discipline. That was definitely very interesting. Thank you so much. Before we end the discussion, there's one more thing that I think we have to discuss because it's become a part of everyone's discussion right now, which is, of course, generative AI. So ChatGPT launched last November. It's kind of exploded and all these new platforms have come up since then and people are becoming more and more reliant by the day. So I also wonder how much that's going to affect people who are working remotely. Is that going to make them more lazy? Is it going to make them more efficient? What do you think? Well, it's certainly going to affect them some ways. If they're lazy by inclination, yes, it could do. Because mm-hmm. if you're writing, for example, which AI is very good at, you could say, yep, yeah, there's the article, I've done it. It's pure chat GPT, mm-hmm. but it's well-written, right? So it could make them more lazy. The key danger, I think, is that goes back to our last question or our last discussion on being seen and being heard, is that AI is going to replace a lot of jobs. Let's not beat about the bush. It mm-hmm. will replace a swathe of jobs, even industries. Those at threat include content writers, graphic designers. Mm-hmm. Customer service. Definitely. Exactly. There's even, I saw one uh, yesterday where you can talk to a coach through AI and it's just AI talking back to you and soothing you in your stressful day. And it's not a human connection. And I don't think AI will ever replace that real one-on-one human connection. But you can see it's getting into every sphere of the workplace. So AI is a threat to jobs. Everybody needs to say, how can it affect me? What effect may it have on my job? Do I need to upskill? So you start to think about career management. Mm-hmm. managing your career. You're the only one that's going to manage your career. No one else will do it for you. Your bosses will look after you, but they have a purpose of business to deliver. You have to look after your career. So as AI comes in, how will it affect me? Will it take my job? What skills do I need to upskill to? What do I need to change to? So it's really important. So the isolation part could mean that you narrow off from what other people are saying about AI. You can get it from TikTok, etc. but that's not strictly relevant directly to you. It's relevant to you in your workplace. So it's quite a danger. Equally, you could utilize it. It's a great opportunity. The real boon in jobs at the moment is AI curators is what I've heard. But basically, it's the guys who can run the prompts. So they can stack three AI platforms together. They can prompt. And at the end of the three AI platforms they've been on, they have a pure creds presentation. They have the video. They have the slides. They even have a script. So there's some really clever stuff coming in. So do you say, well, yes, okay, I'm a graphic designer. I'm going to learn all the prompts. So I've extended my skills. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So it can't replace me because somebody's still got to ask AI or tell AI what to do. Yeah, of course. You need to prompt it. So what you're saying is basically that people need to embrace the fact that AI could replace most of the jobs that are available today and see how they can upskill themselves. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. So they need to ask themselves the questions. And when they upskill, upskilling something you enjoy, mm -hmm. not what you don't enjoy, because that's pointless, because then you don't have the motivation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do something you really enjoy. Nobody knows how it will turn out, but it is absolutely going to affect us. The, the rate of change in the career market right now is massive, and mm -hmm. we all need to stay ahead of the curve. And that is just reading, watching, and talking to people. How does it affect me? How long have I got? What money do I need to retire? Let's say you get to 40, you've probably got two positions left, maybe three. What are those positions going to be? Mm -hmm. If you're a junior, how can I use AI? It's the future, it's coming. How can I benefit from it? So it's being aware. Mm -hmm. A lot of self-reflection. Yes. I think as a coach, I guess you encourage people to do that as well, yes. right? And reflection sounds deep when you say reflection. I'm, I'm off to reflect. <laughs> well, because it is on a deeper level. It, it is right? on a deeper yeah. level. But if you just put it in normal terms, I'm going to think. I'm going to have a really good think about what it is I'm doing, what mm -hmm. it is I enjoy, what may happen in the future, what I need. There's three essential questions to your career. Where are you? Where do you want to be? And how are you going to get there? And that can be for the really big career moves or it can be from performance. Let's say you and I are getting on, you're my boss. And I say, where am I? Well, I'm not getting on with my boss. Where do I want to be? I want to be getting on with my boss mm -hmm. or I'll find another boss. So how do I get there? So it can be really small decision-making processes or the big one of the career side. Do yeah. I want to be a surf teacher in Australia <laughs> or do I want to carry on doing what it is I'm doing yeah. that I'm not enjoying? That's a really easy way to think about it as well. I feel like whenever I've basically tried to look for ways to, you know, make bigger career moves, I guess. It was always like, do you have a five-year plan? Do you have a 10-year plan? But this is just three simple questions. So I think this is something a lot of people can apply yeah. uh, and really see immediate benefits from. I do agree with you on that. Yeah. And it's just really thinking about it. Coaches can sound a bit deep and meaningful. And I know that's what they're meant to be. And there really is some deep reflection that goes on. But sometimes we can term it a little more simply and more pragmatically to mm -hmm. say, okay, you want to change, how are we going to do it? And part of the where I am question is, is also who am I? What mm -hmm. makes me tick? What do I really enjoy? And that does change as you get older. So juniors now will have four or five careers. Their life wow. expectancy is to 100. It's, I know it's crazy, but it's out yeah. there. It's facts. They will have four or five careers. What will those careers be? You can't plan it perfectly, but as long as you have a plan mm -hmm. and then it can change and adapt as to what happens. Exactly. This has been really, really interesting for me. I hope our listeners can say the same as well. Likewise. Thank you for joining us. And Pleasure. thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and thank you to all our subscribers. Sign up to arabianbusiness.com for all exclusive content.